Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. A sadistic landlord took control of one of her tenants, brutally wearing down her self-esteem, forcing her to work long unpaid hours for years and years until she eventually became a live-in slave for her, all while she stole her benefits and opened bank accounts in her name. Landlord hate has recently become a very common topic of discussion both on the internet and in real life. While a lot of the discourse out there is maybe even exaggerated, perhaps even a bit unwarranted, this is a prime example of a case in which the reactions of hate and outrage are absolutely, without a doubt, warranted. Our story starts way back in the long-forgotten era of the 1990s in the UK. This was when a woman named Jacqueline Whittington left her husband and four children, moving out on her own. After years of living by herself, she decided it was time to look for a new, nicer place to live in 2004. She decided to go for an apartment and found a suitable place being rented out by a seemingly very normal, very nice family. The matriarch of this family was a woman named Farzana Kauser. She offered to help Jacqueline out by giving her some odd jobs around her properties, mainly work centered around decorating. This quickly turned into doing more and more work for Farzana and her family over the years. Eventually, Farzana just flat out asked her to move in. This would prove to be the biggest mistake of her life. Jacqueline slowly but surely became nothing but a slave to Farzana over the years, becoming nothing but a live-in domestic servant for her and her family, carrying out all manners of chores for them, such as cooking, cleaning, and caring for the kids. You may think that this is a bit of an exaggeration. Maybe she was working as a nanny, but that is unfortunately not the case. Farzana and her family owned all manner of properties across the London and Brighton areas, forcing Jacqueline to move around the homes and work on them constantly. Farzana never even provided Jacqueline with any sort of employment contract. Instead, she simply promised to pay her. She promised time and time again, actually, with that promised day never coming. Instead, the opposite happened. Jacqueline was actually receiving welfare benefits, benefits which Farzana wanted. After breaking her down over years and years, Jacqueline no longer had the will to argue. So, Farzana decided to start taking those benefits from her as well. In addition to taking all of Jacqueline's benefits, Farzana began to open new bank accounts and credit cards in her name. She used this money to pay the bills on her own properties, something immoral on its own. But she also used the accounts for fraud as well, using Jacqueline's disabilities to her advantage in order to register her car for disabled use, which allowed her to avoid paying road taxes and park in handicapped parking spots. Farzana wasn't content to merely control all of Jacqueline's finances and get free labor out of her. She wanted to control her entire life. More than anything, she couldn't risk having her tell her family about what was going on. So she gradually cut her off from her own family, her entire family, even including her kids. At first, her kids would come out to visit her from time to time while she worked for the family. Over time, though, they lost track of how to even contact her as she moved around, changed numbers, and even lost her number as Farzana continually confiscated her phone. It came to the point where they didn't even know where she lived anymore. Even when the family went on vacation, Jacqueline still couldn't catch a break. Rather than stay back home and chill out for a while while the family traveled on elaborate vacations, she would be forced to come along and act as their portable maid for the entirety of the trips. Farzana would often mock her and humiliate her, even on these trips, in order to crush her self-esteem and make her even more susceptible to her control. 
She intimidates me. She humiliates me in front of people. That's what she's good at. She makes me feel about that big. In front of everybody. And I just stand there and put up with it. Because I didn't confront her about it. Because she'd go for me. Jacqueline began turning to cigarettes and alcohol to keep her mind off of the direction her life was taking, spiraling more and more until developing a dependency on alcohol. She had been trapped over a period of 16 years, worked to exhaustion, starved of a social life, and given nothing at all to show for it. Violence wasn't all that uncommon either. It all started one night when Jacqueline, exhausted as normal, forgot to put away some meat that she had cooked for the family and left it out on the kitchen counter. Farzana then picked up a trash can nearby and threw it at her. The only thing that kept Jacqueline somewhat sane was that she honestly did come to love Farzana's kids and felt like somewhat of a mother figure to them. If it wasn't for those two beautiful children, I'd probably be dead by now. Because I have come to the... I've come that close to killing myself because I just can't take anymore. But I can't because of those kids. The rate of violence against Jacqueline only increased over time as Farzana became more and more confident in the level of control she had over her. She often flew into a complete rage, harming Jacqueline in all sorts of ways. At one point, she ripped off her necklace and slammed her glasses into her face, causing a long laceration across her nose and under her eyes. At another point, after flying off the handle, she slammed the car door on Jacqueline's ankle on purpose and shattered it. Pulled my hair. Scratched my face. As I said, she slammed the door on my foot. She's broken my glasses, ripped my necklace, ripped a nighty. Jacqueline couldn't even go to the hospital on her own, with Farzana accompanying her on any and all medical appointments, all while pretending to be her caretaker. There was even one occasion where a doctor requested to speak to Jacqueline in private. Farzana couldn't even sit outside for that long, wondering what she might be telling the doctor. She barged right into the office in the middle of their talk, something that worried medical staff. Her contact with the outside world came to such a low level that she didn't even know her mother had died until weeks after the funeral had already taken place. No contact with my family. And when I lost my mother, I found out two weeks later that she'd gone through a friend of my brother's and I never even got the chance to say goodbye to her. This all continued until the Kalser family hired a new nanny named Michelle Ormiston. She noticed that one of the family's helpers was treated very differently from any other. She seemed to get harsher treatment, less freedom, and all around seemed to be depressed. She knew that something didn't feel right from the beginning, but she eventually came to see some of the abuse for herself. This was when she alerted social services, who then came to pass on their report to the Sussex police. Police officers soon came out to the address, a swanky apartment in Hove, to get a good look at what was going on. They came to find that all of Jacqueline's belongings were kept in large black garbage bags while she was forced to sleep in a child's bed in the kid's bedroom. They came to find that Jacqueline had no form of identification whatsoever when they requested it. She had no driver's license, no passport, no bank cards, or even any financial documents to her name. After a bit of digging, they found all of the documentation they were looking for in a locked room that she had no access to. Not only that, but they found plenty of financial documents that had been made out in her name but were listed to addresses that she had no connection to whatsoever. Needless to say, a little suspicious. 
After seeing all of this for themselves and having some good long chats with Jacqueline and the family, Farzana Kauser was arrested. She was told that this arrest was due to suspicion of both modern slavery offenses and assault. She was able to post bail very shortly after and went back home while the police continued their investigation. Jacqueline was temporarily given some living arrangements in Hove and then in Brighton, but surprisingly she completely vanished shortly after. Although she had been given a phone, the number was soon disconnected. She never made further contact with social services beyond that point. The police wondered what had even happened to her. They couldn't track her down until months later. That was when the police received a letter from her in which she shockingly recounted all of her allegations against Farzana. She claimed in the letter that this whole thing was nothing more than a crazy scheme to get Farzana into trouble and nothing more. Almost a year later, the police were able to track Jacqueline out to an apartment in which she was living in London. After a short talk, the strange letter started to make some sense. Farzana had found Jacqueline and forced her to write that letter, under duress, in order to cover up her own crimes and get away with it all. Jacqueline was once again placed into safer accommodations, and Farzana was once again arrested, this time for attempting to pervert the court of justice. Farzana later finally appeared before the Lewis Crown Court in October of 2020, charged with holding a person in slavery or servitude. She was then hit with the additional charge of attempting to pervert the course of public justice. The prosecutor, Ryan Richter, said at her hearing, Mrs. Kauser took possession of her benefit book and removed her access to get money. Mrs. Kauser promised to pay her for the work, but didn't pay. She was given her benefit book to sign, but never gave her the money. The jury at the Lewis Crown Court in East Sussex didn't even take more than three hours to come to a conclusion. With all of the evidence provided, they found Farzana guilty of both keeping a person in slavery slash servitude and perverting the course of justice. Farzana was thrown back in jail to await her sentencing, which came a month later in November. She was ultimately sentenced to six years and eight months in prison. The investigating officer, Detective Constable Josh Bellany of the Sussex Police, said, Over the course of 16 years, Farzana Kauser steadily deprived her victim of her own liberty and the very freedoms that one takes for granted. Kauser's actions depended on the vulnerability and desperation of her victim, a person who had originally come to Kauser for refuge. The victim in this investigation would have remained hidden, trapped in a cycle of abuse and control had it not been for the actions of the nanny employed to work for Kauser. By spotting the signs of modern slavery, trusting her gut, and speaking out about what she had witnessed, officers were able to intervene and protect a vulnerable woman who had been worn down by years of abuse. The abuse inflicted by Kauser on her victim will have a lifelong impact and its effects will never truly fade. Today's sentence reflects the severity of such abuse and the importance of speaking out when things don't appear quite right. In addition, a senior investigating officer, Detective Inspector Simon Morgan, added, This was a truly insidious and pernicious crime. Farzana Kauser consciously and willfully exploited her victim, and over these long years of domestic servitude, she built up her chains of control. These invisible shackles serve to bind her victim to work without payment or allow access to the freedoms, rights, and benefits to which she was entitled. Kauser instead callously diverted them for her own gain and would have continued to do so. Modern slavery is often a hidden crime and something all society should be vigilant in recognizing and reporting. This is an important case for the Sussex police and we hope to continue to bring justice for more victims of this crime in the future and achieve similarly robust successes. I would like to praise the determination, bravery, and patience of the victim who supported this investigation over the last few years, allowing us to bring this case to court and achieve this sentence today. She is now free to live without fear of exploitation and abuse. I would also like to thank the key witnesses, especially our initial informant who has shown resolve and bravery in both her actions and her continuous support. 
The sentence today should provide a suitable deterrent and warning to those who may consider perpetrating this type of exploitation in the future. Jacqueline, with her problematic alcoholism, her disabilities, and her overall weakened mental state, remained in the care of health services. Farzana wasn't going to get out of this with jail alone. With all of her suspicious spending habits that had come to light, the police put restrictions on her assets and began a financial investigation. They were very interested in finding what sort of compensation she might owe to Jacqueline for the years of unpaid labor as well. Marzana continued to run away in prison for the next three years as the investigation continued, and Jacqueline tried to recover and return to a somewhat normal life. On October 26, 2023, a decision was finally made. Given that Farzana had been unlawfully forcing Jacqueline to work for her over a period of 16 whole years, it was determined that she was going to be forced to pay her a total of nearly £200,000. This payment includes both the unpaid wages and the benefits that she had taken from her. However, many people felt this wasn't nearly enough. Nothing could ever be enough to make up for the violence, the trauma, the years of miscontact with her family, the health problems from the years of around-the-clock labor, or the life she missed out in general. While it is true that no amount of money could ever make up for all of that, many felt that £200,000 was an insult. Authorities said that Jacqueline was simply given a lump sum calculated by what the minimum wage would have been throughout those years and nothing more. However, commenters online have asserted that their calculations weren't even correct, especially when factoring in the benefits that had been taken from her. In the end, Farzana was also forced to fork over £7,000 for national insurance payments as well. The Lewis Crown Court has determined that Farzana has more than sufficient funds to pay for all of this and must do so within three months or face an extension to her current sentence. It's unknown where Jacqueline Whittington is now, but she is alive, living somewhere in the UK, awaiting her payday. Farzana will likely be in jail for another three years as of the writing of this video. By the time she is released, she'll be 62 years old. You think this is crocodile tears? It's not. It's the hurt that that woman's put me through. Ruling my life for God knows how long. Not being able to do anything. Once again, this has been your host, Kyle. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast episode. Feel free to look through my huge library of other stories if you found this one interesting, and be sure to be there for the next stories that come out each and every week. Have a good night.